for your love. Your unconditional love for us. We don't deserve it, but you think we do. And you sent your son for us, and we're grateful. <coughs> we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. Um, we did a service a couple of weeks ago at Ashurst Drive Baptist Church. You can take a seat if you want, guys. And um, a number of the young people shared, which was really encouraging. And um, Bethany shared a little bit about the trip that she did uh, back in July. And I, th- I asked, um, but I've, I found it really because I found it really, and they were all really good. Um, but I found it really encouraging what Bethany had to say, and I just felt it would be good for you to share that. And I know that you kind of, like, hate me for doing that, but, you know, it's a relationship I have with the young people these days. So, Bethany, come over here. I want to pray for you first, okay, because I know you're a little bit nervous. All right. Father, I want to thank you for Bethany, and I want to thank you for uh, the way that you've been moving in her life. And, Father, we thank you for this trip that she went on. And I pray now, just as she shares a little bit of how you worked uh, through that trip and, and what she learned from that, Father, that we would uh, be encouraged and that we would uh, take joy in hearing what she has to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, so um, for those of you that don't know, I went to Costa Rica for three and a half weeks in July. Um, firstly, I want to say thank you to all those that encouraged, supported and prayed for me while I was out there. So while I was there, I had a lot of responsibility. I was in charge of food for 19 people. And, yeah, there you can see me and my friends cooking. Um, So I, with that responsibility, I had a lot to think about. So I didn't, it was only really once I got home that I saw what God had done. Um, Yeah, and before I went, I wasn't really sure if this was what God wanted me to do. And I started to doubt. But then the night before I read this verse, and it says, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights, which I thought was very apt considering I'd be walking up mountains and volcanoes. So the first thing that I did was I built the foundations for, my sport, for the sports hall at school there. Is that working? No? Okay. Um, and um, it really challenged me is at the moment there's a new sports hall being built at our school and um, the children and teachers were really grateful and it made me think why do I not feel this grateful for the sports hall I'm getting that I just sort of take it for granted and it really challenged me yeah um, and one of the first most profound ways that God was with me was when we were trying to sort out whitewater rafting Um, Money had gone missing and people started blaming each other. And it escalated very quickly to shouting, arguing and getting very personal. Also that day, I felt very homesick for my mum. So I went into my room and read this verse that my mum had written. Is that going to come up? Can I have the next slide, please? So it was Colossians 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. So it didn't help with my homesickness, but it directed me as to what I needed to do. 
So I went back out there, knowing that I needed to be peaceful and not um, start a shouting match. And we managed to figure it all out. And then that's me, white water off, well, sailboat. And that wasn't the last time I felt homesick. I was sitting by a lake a few, um, I think a week later, and I was watching the wind like go over the water. And it really reminded me of my dad, as he always tells me to look at the wind on the water while you're sailing so you can adjust the sails. And that really got to me. So I was sitting on this bench, crying and feeling very sorry for myself. But when I looked up at the sky, I, oh, I was greeted by this. A beautiful sunset reflected in the water. And I felt the peace of God washed all over me, and I felt very calm and very loved. And the, while I was on the fourth, uh, yeah, the biggest trek of them all, um, was when I felt God at his strongest. So this is us all ready to go at zero kilometres, and then this is me at eight kilometres. Oh. Very tired. <laughs> I was not aware that that was being taken. And I was informed as soon as I got home that that was on Twitter for everyone to see. Yeah, so as you can see, I was very tired. Everything ached. I was feeling very homesick. And I felt very lonely. And it felt like God had abandoned me when I, until this verse popped into my head. Oh. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. And that basically carried me the last four kilometres up to where we were staying. And the next morning, I watched the sunset rising on the top, on the summit of the mountain. And that is me at the summit, very, feeling very proud of myself as I've made it. The view was incredible, and it almost made up for the previous day's walking. Um, I really feel like God wants to encourage you that the journey may be hard and you can't always see the destination because you're walking through a um, cloud forest or a jungle, but it is worth it. And once you get there and you can see the view, it makes up for everything that you've gone through. Thank you. Thanks, Bethany. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> She's fantastic. And um, uh, it's just a real privilege, really, um, to hear the stories of, of these young people that are going off and doing things. And you don't have to go to Costa Rica for, for God to move in your life. There's many different ways. And uh, uh, when we were um, at Ashurst Drive, Evie shared her testimony, uh, which many of us have heard. And it was a real blessing for a lot of people to hear of the, the, the struggles that we can have in life. And uh, Emma shared uh, uh, from, from the scriptures, which was awesome. And uh, I know that that's something that she wants to do again. If you want to listen to what she said, it's actually on their website. She can actually go and listen to Emma preaching. Uh, so we were really pleased with that. And there was something else that happened, but I'm going to keep that for later. Just keep that one in your pocket. Um, Michelle uh, shared something with me this morning, which I thought was a really good illustration that we could use um, just before I come to speak. And it's, uh, I'm going I'm to let her mention it, but remember I capped it at 10 minutes, yeah? You said five minutes. All right, five. I'll give you the 10 okay. now. You can throw things at me if you want. <laughs> okay, welcome to my soundbite for five minutes. Um, 
Okay, I've got three chairs here, and they represent the past. Um, this is the present, and this one is the future. Um, and I represent um, our stories. So I've got a story. Each one of you has a story, which should be different to mine. Well, it will be. <laughs> um, and they're all very different. We, need, we should have a story, and actually... We need to have a story um, because it's rooted um, in us, okay? Um, so at the moment, um, this represents my story. Um, but I'm just going to visit the past for a minute, okay? And in the past, um, this is where breakthroughs happened. Um, this is where past um, stories of goodness have happened, um, it's where past um, sort of regrets have happened um, and where past victories happened. Um, it also represents the past in our nation, of what God has done in our nation and our world. It represents our families, our family lines, and it represents us personally. But we can't live here. We're, we're unable to live on this chair, okay? So um, it is there, but we can't rest there. Um, this is the future, okay? And uh, this is where prophecies have happened, of personal prophecies of what might happen in our personal lives, the ultimate prophecy of Jesus coming back. Um, but we can't live here also. And also in this future... Um, elements of fear can come in this chair, okay? So we can be a bit fearful. The only place um, where we can fully live is on this chair in the present, okay? So um, I'm just going to sit in the present for a minute. That's really cool. Because um, I need to read my book. Um, this is where, um, in the present, we can deal with stuff, okay? We can... Things of our past can't be dealt with in the past. They can only be dealt with sitting in the present and rooted to um, our intimacy with God, our Father, understanding what he has done for us, what he means to us. Um, and this is where... This is where we need to be rooted and where actually life can happen. Life can't happen over here in the future and um, it actually also can't happen here at all. So the only place we can be alive is in the present. But we can actually sort of hide. I might not be able to get up now after this. But we can also hide in the present as well um, where doubt comes Comparison comes. That's a massive thing in our world. We compare ourselves to other people. Um, and this is where shame comes. But this is the only place where we can live and deal with it. Okay, thank you for listening. Oh, thanks, Michelle.
I asked her just to, as uh, she shared that this morning, just to mention it, because there's a part of what I'm going to say here this evening that I felt was really uh, important and part of that, because, uh, as Michelle said, we're living right in the present now. But so much of our lives and where we are in the present have been affected by the past. And our present is also affected by, as she said, the fears of the future. We don't know what's going to happen. We're not too sure of what's going to happen. So that has an impact on our present. God just wants to be with us at the moment in the present. He's, he's aware of our past and he's dealing with stuff. And I want to just share a little bit <coughs> about that a little bit later on. But before I do that, um, just over the past few weeks, um, as elders, there's a passage of scripture that uh, keeps coming to us. And uh, Ian shared this passage at our recent elders uh, meeting, and, and apparently Bernard also had it uh, as part of his daily reading. So we were kind of like, okay, God speaking. Uh, not just because Bernard had it in his daily reading and Ian said it, but <clears throat> it's a clear sign that this was happening. And uh, it was also on my heart to share at the school's ministry Billericay celebration uh, last Sunday. And it's uh, Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. If you do have a Bible, it's only a couple of passages. Um, if you need a Bible, I'm sure Paul will uh, pass one to you. But as I was preparing for what I wanted to talk about this evening, this again, this passage of Scripture wouldn't go away because, as Michelle says, we have doubts in life. We kind of have things in our lives which kind of impede us and, and stop us from uh, reaching our full potential in Jesus. And Paul's uh, letter here, he says, this is chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This uh, passage actually is part of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, as we can quite clearly see at the top of the page. Uh, and it starts off with the mystery of the gospel. The mystery being that uh, the Gentiles, so that's anybody that wasn't Jewish, of whom Paul was uh, one, uh, are now fellow heirs in Christ through sacrifice on the cross. Paul goes on uh, to then pray for the Ephesians. And it's in that prayer that we find these inspiring words that still mean so much to us today. For us as elders... In leaders in the church, we've been greatly encouraged by these words. This church is very close to changing how it's governed through CIO. Anybody know what that stands for? So I'm testing them, Kev. I'm trying to do it. Say it out. Thank you, Kevin. <coughs> Charitable Incorporated Organisation. Okay. So it's just the way that we want to structure the church is so that we are really moving a lot more in ministry streams and uh, we're really excited about what God uh, is going to do but it's going to take a little bit of work so a little bit later on hopefully we can spend some time praying but one of the exciting things we're seeing an increase in members joining the church it's really encouraging we're seeing growth in our children's and youth work 
We see an Alpha course start and people coming to know Jesus. I mean, who'd have thought that, doing an Alpha course? We're seeing new initiatives start. We're quite excited about what we're hearing that people, uh, God has laid on, on people's hearts. We're hearing uh, God's word from people in visions and testimonies. So we're really starting to see God move uh, in the church. But is there still more? God wants to do through us. What do you think? Got some mms and yes. And it's good. Get the Pentecostal out of them soon, Ian and Will. <laughs> Hallelujah. I believe so. Amen. Thank you, Norbert. Here we go. <laughs> I believe so. But the question is, what could stop us? The only people I believe that are going to stop us are actually us. There's two ways I felt that we um, can stop ourselves from doing this. We might actually say, yeah, we can do that. Yes, we can do that. But actually, we're more likely to be trying in our own strength. I know personally in my own, own life, when I've been inspired and encouraged by something, I kind of charge headlong into doing it only to realise that God's still back there saying, that's not what I wanted you to do. And actually, sometimes it's a real failure. I've learnt from that, which is good. But actually, when we say we're going to do this, yes, we can do this, we've got to be really careful that we're not doing it in our own strength. We need to change our mindset and how we approach things. By actually saying, do you know what? Yeah, I believe through Jesus Christ working in us, that we can do that. I think then we'll see a, a total change in things. Our self-reliance, I believe, hinders us so much. Do we submit our plans to him properly? Or do we steam headlong into trouble? Ephesians 3 verse 20, uh, it says, uh, our, our, sorry, a little bit further, our ways are not God's ways, God's ways. And in Ephesians 3 20, it says, it's God's power working in us. It's got nothing to do with us. It's God's power working in us. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. It's not about us. So I believe in order for us to do immeasurably more from what we read here in Ephesians 3, We need to be acknowledging him working through us, seeking him daily and listening to the master's voice. Second thing we might say, and this is the one we probably are all guilty of, there's no way I can do that. There's no way I can do that. Do you know what? If we keep saying that, what will happen? We won't do it. The more we say that in our lives, that we can't do this or we can't do that, the more we won't. When I was in uh, Boys Brigade on Thursday night, we were playing a game called Foursquare, which some of the lads really like playing. And there was one lad, and he kept saying, well, I'm going to mess up. I'm not going to do this properly. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going out next go. What happened? (coughs) He won. (laughs) He won. Thanks, Paul. (laughs) Ever, Ever the optimist. Love it. 
he went out every single time. Sorry, Paul, like burst your bubble there. But he went out every single time. And you could see in his demeanour, in his character, there was no way that he would ever win in his own mind. It wasn't actually until he then, if you know the rules of the game, became, do you want a drink? <laughs> he actually became king. And the whole idea is that you become king of the game. And what we tried to do is like encourage him and say, come on, you can do this, you can do this. You're okay, you can do it. And he got to the point where he was top for at least two goes, <laughs> which wasn't bad. But you could see with a little bit of encouragement, with a little bit of something, we can get that done. But how many times have we said that in our lives and it's actually happened? Nothing's happened. Um, and what does it do to our confidence? You know, it dents it, it chips away. It chips away our character, our personality, and before you know it, we've given up. We've got that Eeyore syndrome. Oh, well, that's the way it's going to go. That's just the way... It, sorry, that's my Eeyore impression, if you didn't know. It's not that good. My Tiggle one is better, but I'll leave that for another time. <laughs> I believe that this comes down to our confidence that's in crisis and it's our confidence in our relationship with Jesus I believe there are a few reasons for it Uh, be careful how I say this but I think we are reading this book less and we're praying less and the reason I say that is there's too many statistics that are coming out of Christian organisations that are proving this Especially this generation, unfortunately, read the scriptures less and less and less. And I've got the documented evidence in different Christian magazines that are starting to show that we as Christians are not reading this as much as we used to. And I wonder why we are kind of a little bit messed up as church sometimes. This creates conflict in our spirit. It actually puts us at odds with the relationship that we have in Christ. We've also got somebody who is against us. And right from the beginning, the deceiver brought doubts into our minds. The devil started by questioning God's authority in our lives. Surely you won't die. Every second of the day, I believe, we're under bombardment with negative thoughts. doesn't matter where they come from. Peers, parents, teachers, social media, or even yourselves. The devil's behind it all, which is why we need to be in constant relationship with Christ. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do we believe that? I think sometimes we struggle to believe that. If we're not walking in relationship with Jesus, guess what? We won't feel his strength in us, and in turn... That strength becomes our own strength. And like I said earlier, where does that get us? Jesus isn't a cash machine. I mentioned this to the young people on Wednesday night when we did our discipleship group. For too many Christians, it's about going to the cash machine of Jesus, sticking your card in, putting your PIN number and taking what you need. When actually what Jesus is about is investment. He wants us to invest in him. He wants to invest in us. He's not a cash machine that we can just come to and say, please, I need this, I need this, I need this. It's a two-way relationship. 
I was really encouraged um, to see the rise of prayer over the summer in the church life, uh, in this church. We know why. One of our own was desperately in need, and we came together and prayed. I'll be really honest and say I couldn't see what God was going to do in Amelia's situation. I had lost all hope, I think. My prayer actually became, well, God, it's over to you now. You need to do the miracle. I don't know how to pray anymore. That's where I'd got to. The great thing is that Amelia's alive today because this church had faith that God could do immeasurably more than we could hope or imagine. We prayed at a level that encourages and challenges me. Why do we only pray like that in a crisis? And we're doing it for Oliver. Why aren't we praying at level for the lost? For the Alpha course? For how God might use us greater as a church in Billericay? We emphasise the importance of reading the word of God, but are we also highlighting the need to be praying at all times? I was talking to Dave Lodge about the organisation, the Message Trust, that uh, Carl Beach now works for and, and CVM are getting involved with a little bit more. And I was kind of really questioning how successful they've been. And Dave was telling me that actually what they do as an organisation is once a month they hold a day of prayer. Every day for 20 minutes, the entire team meets together to pray. And they have annual prayer and praise things that are going on as well. They're putting God first. They're coming together in word, spirit and truth. They're praying. And I believe this is a major reason why they're so successful. Hear me right. I don't want to be down on us as a church. We do pray. And many pray on their own time and the prayer meetings, etc. But I, why aren't we seeing this level of God working in and through us? We see it in other churches and organisations. Why not us? How much do we believe, believe that prayer works in the day-to-day of life? Again, I just believe that we've lost a little bit of confidence in the word and in prayer. Not because it doesn't work, actually we've been sold a lie we've been told that it's not important anymore the deceivers got in we're told that certain parts of the bible aren't literal we don't personally dig deep enough into it ourselves instead we kind of rely on what the preacher up the front is saying or what the greatest christian facebook status says that's what we kind of rely on for our spirituality sometimes so when are we praying who with? Do we pray at work? Do you pray at school? Together with your friends? Ian used an example this morning of a football match uh, when it came to uh, understanding the word of God. And I kind of really liked that. Um, if we've got no lines, we've got no corner posts, we've got no rules... All we do is got, like you said, eight people on one side and 20 on the other side. Here's the ball, go and score a goal that actually doesn't exist because it's not there, but it's one nil already. 
It's not a game of football, is it? And what Ian was saying is the word of God, when you start to put in the lines, when you start to have a goal, when you start to have rules so that you're not breaking people's legs every five minutes, you've got a structure. And that structure helps you to enjoy the game a lot better. I was kind of thinking it a little bit more as well, that um, we've got things like goal line technology now. Is the ball fully over the line or isn't it? Is it on the line? In the old days, well, that's a goal. In these days, well, even if it's touching the tiny little white bit of the line that's over in the goal side, it's not a goal. We're starting to bend the rules. We're starting to change the rules ever so slightly. Do we hear the manager's voice when it comes to prayer? Are we hearing the manager shouting orders from the sideline, trying to tell everybody where to go, how to achieve to score the goal? Or are there so many other voices now that you hear on the sideline that actually you can't hear the manager's voice? Is that in our lives that we can't actually hear God's voice because so much is going on? Michelle, I think, really showed us how we can be hindered. We live in the past hurts, or even in the past glories. We're not actually living in the present. We're living in the past bit. We can't live in the past. Yeah, God's done some amazing things in the past. It's fantastic. But God wants to do much more for us now and in the future. We aren't actually living in the present because we're too shameful about the past and we're scared of what the future might bring we need to change the way we think look back at the past and give thanks to God for past glories and learn from the mistakes learn from the mistakes more than anything as Michelle said we need to be living in the present confident that God is going to use you and us to do amazing things in life for him so we need to be reading the word And praying that the future is nothing more than seeing the kingdom come in our lives. And especially in the lives of those that don't yet know Jesus. The kingdom of God is only going to grow through this church if we're serious about about God working in us and through us. We do need to get serious about the word of God. And our individual and corporate prayer lives. I love the fact that we're starting a series on the Reformation. Having reformed lives for Jesus. Yes, that was hundreds of years ago, the Reformation, but actually God can reform us right here, right now, in the present so that we're going to be ready for the future. We need to study the word. Not just read it and tick the box, but actually study it, go through it, really dig into it. I also believe we need to be strategic in our prayers. You know, it's really important to pray for the sick. We've seen that. But actually, if that's all we're praying, we're not fully entering into that strategic prayer. Are we praying for our friends? Are we praying for the groups that are working out of this church? Are we praying for our community? Are we entering into the immeasurably more bit that God wants us to exercise? I want to pray for us. I want us to spend a little bit of time in prayer in a little bit. 
praying for some things that I think could be really good. But before we do that, I'm going to pray. And uh, yeah. Father God, I want to thank you that we have your word and that we have open communication with you through prayer. (coughs) Father, you can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine in our lives. Father, would you help us in our faith to understand that you want to work so much stronger in our lives. Father, give us that that hope. Give us that strength of faith. Let it rise up in us. May we be led by your word, not by what others say about God. May we be led by your spirit as the word speaks to us. May we be guided in prayer, Father, as we come alongside others that speak into our lives, encourage us, nurture us. Father, we want to see Billericay changed for Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven... Yes? Um, No, uh, don't interrupt me. I'm praying. (laughs) But you called me. Called you? I I didn't call you. I I was just doing my prayers. (laughs) Our Father, who art in heaven... There, you did it again. Did what? You called me. You said, Our Father, who art in heaven. Here I am. What's on your mind? No, no, look... I didn't mean anything by it. I was just, you know, saying my prayers for the day. <laughs> you know, it always makes me good, feel good to say the Lord's Prayer. Like, like getting a job done. All right, go on. Hallowed be thy name. Hold it. What do you mean by that? By what? By hallowed be thy name. <sighs> um, hallowed... Um, you know, it means like, it, it, it means like, you know, hallowed, like, like hallowed out. You think my name means emptied out? Um, well, you know, it's, it's, um, well, how should I know what it means? You know, it's just part of the prayer. By the way, um, what does it mean? Yeah, it means honoured, holy. Wonderful. Right, um, yeah. I never thought about what that meant before. I know. (sighs) (laughs) Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Do you really mean that? Of course. What are you going to do about it? Do? Well, well, nothing, I guess. You know, I think it would be rather good if you had sort of power like you had up there, down here. Have I got control of you? Well, oh, I go to church. That's not what I asked you. What about that bad temper of yours? You've really got a problem there, you know. No, no, stop picking on me. Right, I've got a few hang-ups, but I'm just as good as all those hypocrites at church. Excuse me, but I thought you were praying for my will to be done. And if that is to happen, it'll have to start with the ones who are praying for it. Like you, for example. Oh, all right, 
I get it. I've got a few hang-ups. Now that you mention it, probably a few more. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I haven't thought about it much until now, but I really would like to, you know, cut out some of those things. I really would like to know how to be free. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. There are real victories to be won here. I'm proud of you. Look, Lord, um, can we finish this up here? This is taking longer than it usually does. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, you really need to cut out on the bread. You're a little overweight as it is. Excuse me, look, I'm here doing my religious duty and all of a sudden you break in and make fun of me. Well, praying is a dangerous thing. You can do adult change, you know. That's what I'm trying to bring across to you. You called me. Here I am. It's too late to stop me now. Keep on praying. I'm interested to hear the next part of your prayer. Well, go on. I don't want to. Why? Because I'm scared. Of what? I know what you're going to say. Try me and see. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What about John? I knew! (laughs) I knew you were going to say about him. I swear. Lord, but he he told me lies. He stole money from me. I swear I'm going to get my way with him. (laughs) But your prayer, what about your prayer? I didn't mean it. Well, at least you're being honest. But it's not much fun carrying around all that bitterness inside. Think of how unhappy you really are. Yes, but, you know, I'll feel better as soon as I've got with, on with my plans for good old John. You won't feel any better. You'll feel worse. Revenge isn't sweet. But you're so unhappy right now. But how, how can I change that? I will. I'll change it. <sighs> but forgive John then I'll forgive you. Then all the hate inside will be John's problem and not yours. You may lose money, but you'll still have a settled heart. Yeah, it doesn't sound easy, but deep down I know it's probably worth the effort. Thank you for, you know, helping me through this. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ella, and the voice of God, (laughs) which Evie really likes. Just a little illustration, really, that how we can really do prayer wrong. Okay, it is not... And again, and reading the word as well. Reading the word and praying. It's not about ticking off the religious box. Okay, it's not. It's a relationship that changes us. And it was... The end of that prayer, as Ella said it, it became more heartfelt then became about a relationship. And that's what it's about. 
Now, God wants to enter into that relationship with us where we go deeper and deeper in prayer and the word. Because it's through there that we get revelation personally and corporately to see what God wants to do, some immeasurable stuff. I really believe that as a church. I've been here 14 years and think we haven't scratched the surface yet. But I can start to see where it's being scratched. And I'm quite excited about some of the things that are happening. So I want us to spend uh, five, ten minutes or so in prayer. Uh, We can do it in twos or threes, in groups, get a little bit messy. Just going to bring up a PowerPoint um, slide up on the screen. Please, Christine, that'll be good. Hopefully you can see that. Pray for self-confidence and your relationship with Jesus. Pray for your friends and the lost. Pray for the church leaders, for the the CIO stuff that we're going to go through. Pray for wisdom and insight into what God's heart is for Billericay. Pray for the groups that minister to people in the community. We've got Baby Club, Toddler Drop-In, Sunny Days, the Brigades. All of these people are fresh people that don't know Jesus. How can we pray that the people running those groups can be a great influence in their lives? Pray for new disciples through Alpha and what we do when this building gets too small. Let's pray now these things. Let's pray in spirit and truth. Let's be earnest in our prayers. Let's pray like the end of that sketch. Not kind of, okay, Lord, we need to pray for the lost. No, no, no. Have a heart for your friends that don't know Jesus yet. For those people that we know in Billericay, our neighbours, etc. Because God loves them just as much as you and I. He does. He loves them just as much as he loves us who've committed to him.